The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and this is the Sunday Roundup. Home Secretary Suella Braverman faced up to Laura Koonsberg this morning, keen to talk about her dream of successfully implementing the Wanda immigration policy. Koonsberg surprised her with a report of a 2018 incident in which refugees protesting in Rwanda over food rations were shot at and killed by police. She asked Braverman if this suggested Rwanda might not be a safe destination. If they are sent from this country to Rwanda, what would happen to them once they are there? Is it safe to send refugees to Rwanda from Britain? You sound like you are completely convinced of that. I am convinced that it is safe to send refugees to Rwanda. Now, yes. the reason I ask that is that in 2018, a group of refugees in Rwanda did stage a protest because their food rations were reduced. Do you know what happened to them? I'm not familiar with that particular case. OK, well, I can explain to you and explain to our viewers what happened then. According to the United Nations refugee body, a group of refugees staged a protest. The Rwandan police then fired live rounds at them and 12 people were killed. Now, the Rwandan government says it was a last resort, there was violence at the protest, but the United Nations and eyewitnesses say that live rounds were fired. We can show some pictures of what happened in the aftermath of that protest, and we've verified the location and the date at which that happened. Are you sure still that it is safe to send refugees to Britain, and I so to Rwanda? And I suppose the point here is, if something went terribly wrong, would you end the arrangement with that country? Would you say, OK, you know what, that was a mistake, bring people back? Well, as I said, that might be 2018. We're looking at 2023 and beyond. The High Court, senior expert judges have looked into the detail of our arrangement with Rwanda and found it to be a safe country and found our arrangements to be lawful. Rwanda, uh, from which I've just returned, takes 100,000 refugees and resettles, and I met some of them in Rwanda on my recent visit from countries in the region. They have nothing but gratitude and uh, thanks for Rwanda for the resettlement scheme that Rwanda has put on for, as I say, over 100,000 people who are fleeing persecution, fleeing conflict. They have a track record of successfully resettling and integrating people who are refugees or asylum seekers. I think that as I think we're on strong ground to say that Rwanda is a safe country. It is the right solution for us grappling with our small boats problem. Kunzberg also spoke to Bravman about lawful immigration. Bravman claimed she stood by her party's manifesto principle of reducing the overall number of migrants, although she was evasive when pressed to clarify whether she still believed in reducing it to the tens of thousands. You said in October you wanted immigration to come down to the tens of thousands. Now, is that still what you would like? Our manifesto commitment is very clear that we want to get overall numbers down. And but do you I think still it believe fair. it should be in the tens of thousands? Because that's what you said just a few months ago. It is legitimate to, 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 to question whether the levels of lawful migration are sustainable. We've issued a record number of work and study visas in the last year. We've had the highest level of net migration. We've got 7 million people already in the UK who are out of work. 
um, you've just heard from speakers there talking about labour market shortages. We have to get the balance right. We so need to you, incentivise people already here mm -hmm. to get back into the labour market, but for you, and we need to get the balance right between the number uh, on the number of people coming in. But I, for labour purposes, but I think our viewers this morning will want to know, Home Secretary, if you, as the person in charge of the system, believe that legal migration should be in the tens of thousands rather than the half a million it was this year. It's a, it's a clear question. Do you still think that immigration should be in the tens of thousands? The clear answer I can give you is that I support our manifesto commitment to get overall migration numbers down, including legal migration. But you said so in October, I do believe, have you changed I your mind? I do believe that we have uh, you know, the, high levels of num the high numbers of people coming in through work and study routes is high. It places pressure on housing and accommodation supply. It places pressure on school places, on health services. Those are reasonable concerns and we need to make sure that we're getting the balance right uh, of encouraging our domestic workforce back into the labour market and also ensuring that we do allow those highly skilled workers, those people who will come and help various sectors in our economy to thrive. And Koonsberg's panel guests disagreed with Braverman's standpoint on immigration, arguing that more migrants were needed to fill labour shortages. Manette Batters, president of the National Farmers Union, argued that there weren't enough unemployed people in the country to fill the available jobs. And UK eBay boss, Murray Lambert, said that businesses were lacking the skilled workers they need to thrive in a modern economy. I couldn't agree more strongly with what Manette said in terms of just the, the shortage of skills that we have in, in the UK. I was glad to hear... Uh, the Home Secretary talk about illegal and uh, legal immigration and make a very clear delineation between the two. Mm -hmm. um, at a personal level, uh, I really hope that as a country we can treat people that come into this country illegally with care and dignity to make sure that wherever they get resettled they can do so mm -hmm. successfully and happily. So at a personal level that's what matters to me. Mm -hmm. On the topic of legal migration, what I heard the Home Secretary say is we still want to bring those numbers down and I still see when I go out and talk to businesses across the country, mm -hmm. they do not have the technical skills that they require to enable their businesses to run in a modern economy. Okay. And so this is skilled labour where we need more, we need more people in the country. Sibella Bravman also spoke to Koonsberg about the scandal of child sexual exploitation, specifically mentioning gangs of British Pakistani men and claiming that action had not been taken in labour-run areas because politicians were afraid to call out people along ethnic lines. You're making quite strong accusations that people are somehow turning a blind eye and complicit in abuse. Who do you mean? Because some of our viewers might think this morning, listening to you say, well, the authorities have failed. Well, the Conservatives have been in government for a very long time. And if you look at the system that's meant to support these victims, often prosecutions never happen. We know from the NSPCC that child sexual abuse victims sometimes have to wait more than a year before their case gets to court. So who are you blaming? Well, if we want to get political about it, I wasn't, want, didn't want to get mm. political about it, but some of these councils, council councillors, senior politicians in labour-run areas over a period of years absolutely fail to take action because of cultural sensitivities, not wanting to come across as racist, not wanting to call out uh, people along ethnic lines. Uh, justice hasn't been done for many of these victims. We now need to introduce a package of measures, that's what we're setting out today and tomorrow, a duty to report so that actually professionals are obliged to take action and actually a, um, uh, uh, an energetic approach to tracking down these perpetrators, many of whom are still running free uh, right and ensuring that they don't continue with these vile abuses. 
Labour's Lisa Nandy strongly disagreed with her, claiming that she had been calling for mandatory reporting for child professionals on child abuse for years and that under the current government convictions for child exploitation had halved over the last four years. She also pointed out that it was a problem for all backgrounds and ethnicities. You won't find anyone who is more concerned about child sexual exploitation than me. 20 years ago, I was working with children who were, had been through that horrendous experience of being groomed by gangs, raped, sexually assaulted, struggling to get access to justice, and was calling for mandatory reporting for child professionals who were involved in their case. And but you have forward... been raising this for a long time. You've done work on it for many, many years. But Suella Braverman actually accused Labour councils of turning a blind eye. Is she right? I, in, in the cases of Rochdale and Rotherham, the reports were clear that there were politicians and officers who didn't report, sometimes for fear of political correctness. And I think 20 years ago, 10 years ago, when the Rochdale convictions happened, everybody across the political spectrum accepted that that was the case and that we needed to put measures in place to deal with it. But I have to say the Home Secretary is an absolute, it is an absolute joke for her to turn up in the TV studios today talking about a willful blind eye, near complicit silence, talking about a lack of action. She's basically describing herself. The number of convictions for prosecutions has halved in the last four years and prosecutions has halved in the last four years for child sexual exploitation. People are waiting nearly two years on average just to get to court if anybody could be accused of turning a blind eye to what is a very real problem in this country across all backgrounds and ethnicities it's the home secretary herself and finally after elon musk and a group of tech leaders and scientists signed a letter calling for a pause in the development of ai in order to assess its danger skype co-founder jan tallon argued that he thought ai systems might represent an existential threat to humanity and that they could begin to manipulate the real world environment if, if I'm pressed uh, for, for things that, OK, what is the concrete thing that could go, go wrong, then I'm, gonna f um, I'm starting to think about things like nano, nanotechnology. Uh, for example, AI taking over labs uh, that can produce, uh, uh, that can synthesize DNA, that can pull proteins into 3D structures, that can take enough to, that can then manipulate the environment much, much faster than anything human scale can. Some experts in your industry, though, think your letter was over the top and there's some scaremongering going on. What do you say to that? Last year, there was a questionnaire uh, among top published machine learning researchers in the field. And uh, half of them, and I repeat, half of them thought that uh, AI can be existential risk. The pro probability of AI being an existential risk is 10% or higher. So I think it's important to notice that uh, if you have, as the you know, metaphor goes, imagine that you're boarding a plane and there's an announcement that half of the engineers who built the plane think that this plane is going to crash or there's a, there is at least 10% chance that, that this uh, plane will crash. Then the correct response is to not fly. That's all for this week. I'm Katie Balls and this podcast was produced by Joe bedell Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free round of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.